Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible class for those who cannot be with us in person on Wednesday nights or maybe cannot be with any of the con- any of the congregations of the Lord's Church on Wednesday nights because they're shut in, they're sick, they have scheduling problems, whatever the case might be. But we know also that there are people who listen to our podcasts in other parts of the country and literally around the world. So we're thankful to have the opportunity the means and the ability to be able to broadcast a Bible study each Wednesday evening and each Sunday morning for all of those people who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ uh, each Wednesday night and each Sunday morning. We're thankful to be able to do that, and we're thankful to be able to spread God's Word on such a broad-based, in such a broad-based way through the means of the Internet. If you're in the Omaha area, then we encourage you to come and be with us in person each Wednesday night at 6.30 for midweek Bible classes and Sunday morning at 9.30 for Sunday morning Bible classes. And then, of course, our worship service follows our Sunday morning Bible classes at 10.30 each Sunday morning. You're welcome to any and all of these services. And there really is a benefit, a great benefit, to being with the Lord's Church in person right there with fellow Christians every Wednesday night and every Sunday. Uh, something it's, it's hard to put into words, but you have to experience it. There's a strength. There's a fellowship that takes place between members of the Lord's church. We're supposed to be the family of God, and we're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Families like to get together. Brothers and sisters encourage one another and strengthen one another. And all of that goes along with what the Hebrews writer wrote in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Our faith is strengthened, and we also help strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ, their faith. All of that happens as we come together as the Lord's church, as the body of Christ, each time the church meets. So we encourage you to take advantage of that if you're in our area. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. But for all of those who are listening in other parts of the country or around the world, or for those even in the Omaha area who cannot get out, or cannot be with us because of some other uh, hindering or you know problem in their life or situation in their life, we're thankful to be able to be with you through the internet. And we pray that as you study with us each Wednesday night and each Sunday morning, that you are growing in your faith. And as that happens more and more, we pray that you're coming closer and closer to God. And that ultimately you'll make up your mind to come to God through Jesus Christ, His way, And that is, as you repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, and are baptized for the remission of your sins, being reborn spiritually, John 3, verses 3 through 5, made new, a new creation spiritually, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Our prayers are with you, and our prayers are for you. Now, we encourage you to take advantage yourself and to tell everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to our podcast button, click on that, sign up for our podcasting. When you do that, and by the way, it's free, it always will be free. Access to our website is always free. 
Our podcasting is always free, and when you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive to your smart device, your smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, you'll receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, and you'll also receive a really helpful short daily Bible study, seven days a week, called Today's Bible Class. About 13 minutes each day. But it gets us into God's Word and thereby helps us to maintain a more spiritual mindset as we take, as we take on the challenges of the day. You'll also receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. And again, all of our sermons, all of that. Now, if you go to our website, you will also have access to hundreds of archived sermons, and those are now being posted in video format as well as audio format. And you'll be able to also access, download, read, study through hundreds of scripturally based and spiritually focused articles. All of that is free, and it always will be free. So take advantage of that and encourage everybody you can to do so as well. We also encourage you to share these studies, these Wednesday night Bible classes, with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means. But help somebody else get into God's Word and grow in their faith and be more focused on their relationship with God. Help them maybe even get to heaven. So share with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our study in 1 Peter. We're in 1 Peter chapter 5, and I've been spending a good bit of time on these first few verses of 1 Peter chapter 5 because they are extremely important as to really fulfilling the identity of the church, being the church that God designed us to be, and also they're important for us to understand God's plan for leadership within the church. These first few verses deal with elders in the church. And so Peter begins by saying in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 5, the elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed shepherd the flock of God. Now he's talking to elders there. Shepherd the flock of God. What's the flock of God? That congregation over which you are, you have been appointed as an elder. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those who over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Well, Peter's giving some very important and very serious instructions to elders. Now, this particular letter from the Apostle Peter was not written to any one specific congregation, but to Christians and thereby congregations on a widespread basis. And it certainly applies to every congregation of the Lord's church today. Now, again, elders within the Lord's church, they are the designed leadership by God's design for 
the leadership within each congregation of the Lord's church. I've emphasized the scriptures do not instruct that there should be any overseeing governing body that oversees a whole host of congregations of the Lord's church, not in any given area, such as a big city, or over a section of the country, or over an entire country, or any parts of the world. That's not the way God designed the church to be led. He designed the church for each congregation to be what we call autonomous or self-governing. Now, not self-governing to the extent that, to the extent that they can make up their own rules, their own doctrine, and those kinds of things. No, all that's laid out for us in Scripture. We're to teach what the Scriptures teach. But self-governing in the sense that every congregation is to be overseen and led by elders within that congregation. Now, as I've said, when we look at the word elder, we're not talking about elderly, but we are talking about a certain point in age, chronologically, but not necessarily up in an elderly position of age, but we're, we're talking more about spiritual maturity, age spiritually, spiritual growth. Now, I want us to today to look at the different words in, in a more focused way, I guess, maybe more detailed way that I've, I've talked about over the first couple of sessions that we've covered this particular context of Scripture. But I want us to understand those words because they are misapplied by hosts of denominational churches that call themselves Christian today. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 23, well, first let me look at Titus chapter 1 again. And I know we've looked at this in the past, but I want us to just set the stage again. In Titus chapter 1, in verse 3, we read the emphasis of the Apostle Paul, who certainly was guided by the Holy Spirit as an inspired apostle of Jesus Christ, divinely appointed as such. He, told, he wrote to Titus, who was on the Isle of Crete, and he said in verse 5, for this reason I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Every city, every congregation. Uh, you don't really ever find in the New Testament scriptures where one of the letters of either the Apostle Paul or James or Peter or John were written to a host of congregations within a given city. Now, of course, the reality back then was probably much different than what we're used to in our country today, where we may have cities of multiple millions on a wide-scale basis. You probably had more along the line of smaller cities or even small communities. But, and, and so there would be no need necessarily for more than one congregation in each one of those places. So we're not talking about appointing elders in Titus chapter 1 and verse 5, over all the congregations in one city, the understanding is, I believe, there's only going to be one congregation in each of those cities. That's, that's the sense of what we get when we read through the book of Acts, for example, and the different letters from the Apostle Paul to specific congregations. The, 
The difference would have been in the, his letter to the Galatians, it was to the churches of Galatia, but Galatia was not a city. Galatia was a Roman province. So we're talking about a wider span of land area. And so Paul was writing to all the congregations within that wider span, within that Roman province. It'd be something similar to what we would look at as a state in our country. So if you could think of him writing and saying, now, I'm writing this to all the, 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 all the churches within Tennessee or within Illinois or within uh, Massachusetts or whatever it might be, but that's more the sense of what's there. But that's, that's the exception, and, and again, it's not talking about uh, a, multi- a multitude of congregations in one city, but he's talking about a wider landmass area Again, something that we would liken to a state in our country. But one congregation is all that is mentioned in any of those cities where the church had been established. And so when he says appoint elders in every city, he's talking about in every congregation. Now, that was something that was lacking within the church throughout the Isle of Crete. They needed to have elders in every congregation, in every congregation. Apparently there were a number of cities on that particular island that had the churches established. And so in every congregation, there needed to be appointed elders. That's what Paul specifies when he says, set in order the things that are lacking. Now undoubtedly there were other matters that needed attention also, but the one thing that he brought out that was lacking was elders needed to be appointed in every congregation. When we go back to Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 14, and verse 23, as we've noted before, we're looking at Paul and Barnabas on Paul's first missionary journey. And of course, it was Barnabas' first missionary journey as well. In verse 23, we see where they had come to the end of that particular journey, and now they were backtracking and recovering some of those congregations that they had helped establish along the way. And so in verse 23, when they had appointed elders in every church, they had appointed elders in every church. So first they went down, they went through that particular um, uh, lined there or that particular direction and, and followed the map, if you want to look at it that way, going from city to city along the way so that throughout that route or itinerary, as we could think of it, they would stop at different cities, they would teach the gospel, and people would be baptized into Christ, and they'd establish a congregation there. Now, on their way back, going back, revisiting a number of those cities and thereby a number of those congregations, they were strengthening, further grounding those new Christians in the faith, and they were establishing elders or appointing elders in every church. Now that really needs to impress us that even though those were new congregations, only had been established for a very short period of time, God, through the Apostle Paul was already giving attention to the need for those congregations to have elders appointed within them, to be the God-designed leaders within each congregation. Now, I want us to look at that 
all the terms that are used for that particular position that we pretty commonly refer to as elders within the church. In verse in chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, and we look at verse 17. And here we read, and this is a different period of time, and this is a different missionary journey that has been undertaken by the Apostle Paul, and he is basically on his way back to his starting off point, uh, back in Caesarea Philippi, I believe, and we come to verse 17, and so it says, from Miletus, that is where Paul was at that particular point, he sent to Ephesus, now that's another city where a congregation had been established, and called for the elders of the church, the elders of the church. Now that particular word is also translated or could be translated presbyter. And in the Greek, it denotes age, maturity, and dignity. But again, it does not necessarily denote an elderly status. But someone who is older, is wiser, more grounded in the scriptures, there's the maturity from a spiritual perspective, and dignity, someone who carries himself in the, in the dignity of what a Christian life should exhibit. Now, most vitally, these traits should be re reflected or should reflect an elder's spiritual life. The way he conducts himself, certainly, in the public as a whole, but it ought to also reflect his spiritual life. And his spiritual life really ought to govern and guide his life as a whole in society, in the culture in which he lives. Now, one point we need to make is that an elder cannot be a brand new Christian who was just baptized last week. He needs to grow in the faith. He needs to grow in his knowledge of God's word. And so there is the indication or the connotation from the word elder, presbyter, age, maturity, dignity. We also noted when we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 3 that when Paul list, runs through the list of qualities that ought to be characteristic of a man being considered to be appointed as an elder within a local congregation, that he talks about he needs to have believing children. And so there's something of an age understanding there, too. He'd and he needs to be the husband of one wife. So old enough to be married, old enough to have children who are old enough to be believing children, as the text brings out there. So there's something of an age range that is indicated there, but it's not necessarily the idea of somebody who's in his 60s or 70s or 80s being elderly, perhaps, uh, from a societal perspective, but old enough to be married, to have children who are old enough to be believing children, understand belief in God and what that means and what that entails and includes. In 1 Timothy chapter in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14, we read this. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the, with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Now here, this could also be translated and may, and may be in some English translations as presbytery, the laying of the, on of the hands of the presbytery. 
Now that simply is talking about the group of elders who are the elders or overseers within that particular congregation. In chapter 3 and verse 2, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. Now what's being, what's being laid out there? These are those qualities again, some people refer to them as qualifications, of a man who is being considered to be appointed as an elder within a given congregation, a local congregation. And so there the word referring to that position is bishop. Well, that's a different word from the Greek, and it is also translated overseer, overseer. Notice what it says again. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Overseer. Interesting. Now, these are not two different positions, but they are two different descriptive words that point to different oh, responsibilities, but also identities of what these appointed leaders overseeing a particular congregation of the Lord's church ought to, ought to uh, have within their lives. Older in reference to somewhat age chronologically, but older in spiritual knowledge, spiritual characteristics, training, growth, and, so, and, and also certainly Bible knowledge. Now in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, and we look at verse 28 this time. We looked at verse 17 earlier. Now I want us to look at verse 28. And here, back in verse 17, Paul was calling ahead for a meeting with the elders of the church at Ephesus. In verse 28, he is visiting with them giving them some instruction and also preparing them for some challenges that are down the road. In verse 28, he says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among whom, the flock there, remember Peter used that word, the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, back in verse 17, he used the word, elders, called for the elders of the church in Ephesus. Paul wanted to meet with them. Well, there's that word that refers to somewhat chronological age, but also to spiritual age or spiritual maturity, knowledge of God's word and spiritual character through that growth period of becoming a Christian and living the Christian life, studying God's word and learning it and exhibiting it in his life, living his faith. And then we come here to verse 28 in that same basic text in Acts chapter 20, and now the elders are referred to as overseers, but they're also referred to as shepherds. Again, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, a different word from the Greek, also translated bishop back in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work here, and that means overseer. And then he also uses that word shepherd, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. 
Now, that's a different word in the Greek, and it, it refers to elders being spiritual shepherds of the members within a congregation of the Lord's church. The idea is very descriptive there. The imagery is very rich. Shepherding the flock over which they are have been appointed as overseers, leading that flock in spiritual maturity as elders. In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, we look at verse 11, and here we find a translation of that word, shepherd, that I'm afraid has been perhaps unfortunate because of its misunderstanding and misapplication among a myriad of denominations who call themselves Christian. In verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now that's the same word in the Greek that is translated shepherds, or at least a form of the same word. We're not talking about a separate position here again. We're talking about exactly the same position that we've been studying, that we refer to commonly as elders within the Lord's church, but also, and that pointing to one kind of identity and responsibility of these specific leaders within a specific congregation of the Lord's church, but then that coupled with the identity of their being bishops or overseers, and then also that they are to be shepherds, spiritual shepherds of that spiritual flock, which is the Lord's church in their location, over which they have been appointed as elders or bishops. So they are to be there to exhibit that spiritual maturity that goes with having been a Christian long enough to grow to that maturity and knowing God's word effectively, accurately, and they are to have the understanding that they are in a spiritual, scriptural way to make sure that they oversee the congregation leading them to stay true to the faith, to the teachings of God's word, to Christianity. And they're also to act as spiritual shepherds, spiritual shepherds within that congregation. Now, there's a personal kind of relationship and love exhibited between those leaders and the members of that congregation. Just as a shepherd watches over the sheep within his flock and I think we understand the, he knows probably every single sheep within that flock. I remember someone in my extended family many years ago, he was something of a cattle rancher and, and he had, I don't know how many cattle, quite a, quite a number, but he, it, as I remember, it was, it was told that he knew every single cow in that, in that herd. <laughs> to me, that is rather mind-staggering, you know. But that's the way it is when you're talking about being a rancher, being a, a, being a, a shepherd, especially being a shepherd. Remember that Jesus talked about how the sheep know the voice of the shepherd 
because there's that personal relationship there, going back to, to John uh, chapter 10. Now, <clears throat> so all three of these words are referring to the same position of leadership within the Lord's church, elder or presbyter, bishop or overseer, and shepherd or pastor. Now, the problem has come in that denominations have typically taken that, that one translation there in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 that could easily and properly, just as easily and just as properly, be translated into English as shepherds. They've taken that, that term pastor and they have applied it to a position of leadership that they made up on their own and applied to the preacher within the congregation. So they made him a separate, a separate pastor or shepherd, in addition to what the scriptures teach the elders or bishops are supposed to be. But now the elders and the bishops are supposed to be the shepherds or pastors. So when you take that term and apply it to the preacher, unless the preacher is also an elder, meeting those particular qualifications as well, he cannot be scripturally a pastor within that congregation. That's a man made up or devised position of leadership that you do not find in the scriptures. The elders are the pastors or shepherds. And there's very specific meaning that goes with that. Now remember, back in Acts chapter 20, all three of those Greek terms, and all three of them translated into English, elders, bishops, shepherds, they're all in that same immediate context, referring to the same group of leaders within an individual congregation, the elders. It's interesting also that all three of those terms, or at least forms of them, are found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. The elders who are among you, I exhort, being a fellow elder, and he says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers. All three of those terms. All three of those terms. And again, referring to the same position of spiritual leadership within a local congregation. Elders, bishops, shepherds, all the same person, all the same position of leadership, not two or three different positions. And again, all of them pointing to and describing from these three words different aspects or qualities or, or identities of leadership and responsibility within the same position of leadership each one referring to different aspects of being an elder. Old enough to be married, to have children who are old enough to be believing children in God and in Christ, having spiritual maturity, indicating, again, spiritual growing up and age there. Also, overseeing, bishops overseeing, taking a position of leadership in an active way 
but not as what remember what Peter says, not as being lords over those entrusted to you. In other words, you're, you're not a you're not the boss, but you are the spiritual leader. And then shepherds, personal relationship with the members of the congregation, so that they can look to their elders as shepherds, knowing that they know them and that they care about them and they care for them from a spiritual perspective. But sometimes that care has to be exhibited in physical ways as well. Well, I didn't want to spend too much time, a laborious amount of time, on this particular section of 1 Peter chapter 5, but I wanted to cover it thoroughly and deeply so that we could understand the importance of God's design for leadership within the Lord's church and also recognize where that has been distorted by numerous denominations that claim to be Christian. We'll go on, pick up with verse 5 next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for blessing us by sending your son into this world, not only to go to the cross, to pay the price for the guilt of our sins through his shed blood, through his life given, sacrificed on that cross, but also to establish his church on this earth so that we can be a part of his body and your family. Help us to cherish that blessing and to live as responsibly as we can on an individual basis to that blessing, to that identity, Father, and help us to be shining lights to everybody around us of what you have designed a Christian to be and what you have designed your church to be. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.